Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. Cast, cast, cast. Well, we got uh, Yoki Nordstrom. Yoki, is that what we're calling him? I like it. That if, I mean, doesn't that have a nice ring to it? Yoki, Yoki well, Nordstrom? My favorite thing right now is that apparently the nickname Juice is returning um, but it, as it pertains to Yuso Valimaki, because if you remember Kristen Huselius, who was one of my low-key favorite flames of all time, his nickname is Juice. Yes. And now we're calling Apparently this is the new thing. Uh, Yuso Valimaki is Juice. Huselius is one of those easily goes down as low-key favorite for pretty much everybody that followed that team. Dude, he was so good. He, that top line, the, the, the trio of like... Huselius, Lankow, and Aginla is criminally underrated. That's a hell of a line. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Juice. Juice. All right, so you want to, do you want to go over... I mean, you did some posting on Instagram about it. He's basically a reader 2.0. He had a terrible year last year. It's funny how uh, the last two signings we've had, they've had atrocious seasons last season. Both Tanev and York, Yorkie Nordstrom. Yorkie. Joachim. Well, dude, like... Yorkie dorkie dorkie do. <laughs> That's a Seinfeld reference. What is that from? Yeah, it Oh, is. it's from Kramer's yeah, Santa. Yeah, it is, baby. Nice. That's a good one. Santa speaks the language of all the children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get too riled up about it because it's a league minimum deal for a guy who's going to play in your fourth line. But, yeah. But it's it's just the, my joke of the day was I can't wait to see him play on the top line all year, dude. <laughs> How long is it going to take Jeff Ward to put him on the top line? The thing is, is that if that was actually just a joke, I would laugh. <laughs> but it's going to happen, yeah. so I will not laugh. It just it's just fucking painful yeah. knowing that Jeff Ward will probably before he tries Matthew Kachuk with Johnny Gaudreau. We'll try Yorkie-dorkie-doo on the top line. Yeah. So, like, I mean, again, I don't really, I don't care too much either way. It's uh, it's league minimum. But I kind of get where p- people are getting, like, what are you doing? Like, you could, the, I mean, if you combine the, the $1.4 million that you're paying uh, Joachim Nordstrom and Zach Ronaldo, you probably could have got a decent impact bottom six player. That, that's all I'll say. Like, again, like... It, it's just more of the same from Bradshaw Living, these kind of fourth-line guys. He's he's literally, like, if you look at his underlying numbers, if you look at how he plays, he's exactly the same as Reader. Maybe he's a bit more physical. I mean, he's been on a team that's been in the Stanley Cup final with the Bruins. Sure. If he's Lindholm's friend, you want to bring him in as a fourth-line guy, that's totally fine with me. But he's not going to bring you much. Like, the scouting report I've heard from Bruins friends is, like, yeah, he's like Reader, except he can score even less. <laughs> oh boy, less? You can score less? Well, yeah, if you look at his, if you look at like some of his like shooting talent or shooting percentage numbers, like dude, dude couldn't, dude can't hit the broadside of a barn door. He's Lindholm's buddies, so, which is apparently this is Brad's new strategy. It's like, okay, Geo, Tanev's your buddy, so let's bring him in. Lindholm, who do you know? Let's bring all them in. Is this is this Brad has been following the NBA too closely, eh? Yeah, Brad's just like, but he's not quite getting it right. Why no, can't why can't re- Lindholm be friend, not- why can't Lindholm be friend with like Elias Pettersson or something? You're not supposed to recruit guys ha- coming off abysmal seasons. Why can't Geo be friends with to- Taylor Hall and shit? Right. 
Why is no one any, friends with anybody good ever? I know. Like, why are all these guys friends with these plugs? It's like, it's like, man, Brad really, really pulls out the big guns. He gets Iggy phoning Lucic saying go to Calgary. He's got Geo convincing Tanev to come here. Why can't he put do a full court press on somebody good for once? Right. Maybe he can like, probably in his, um, you know, his preseason and maybe even postseason interviews with players, he'll determine who they know around the league just. Just so he knows who his go-to guys are, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you always talk about how he has that serial killer, uh, everything's connected room, except it's just every. It's just like a name with like six degrees of separation. Like, okay, uh, Mark Giordano knows this guy. Here we go. Perfect. People keep making this right. connection of like, okay, why does Brad just like copycat stuff? It's like that the year he hired Peters and traded for Lindholm and Hannafin, he's like just copy and brought in Derek Ryan, copycat Carolina. And then now he's just like copycat Vancouver, You're bringing in like after yeah after picking up all of Edmonton's riffraff. Yeah, last he, year. he got the Oilers last year and Reader Lucic. Now he's on to Vancouver with Markstrom and uh, Chris Tanev and Louis Domingue. I, I think I figured it out. I figured it out. Boston Pizza must have just signed a big big Sweden deal somewhere in Sweden. Eh? Boy, we're really going to have a hard time yeah. joking around when Brad Living's fired and there's no Boston Pizza joke reference well to go to, eh? No, we'll be we'll be singing hallelujah, will we not at this point? <laughs> well, so based what... off of his draft, which we're going to talk about today, that's that's one thing he's been very good at. The one thing that he maybe arguably he's not too involved in. <laughs> Well, you know okay. what? I am crafting a theory on that, which we'll get to in a second. Let's just wrap up this other news, these other news items before we get into the draft. Okay. Other news items. Well, do you want to talk about the Nordstrom player? Any, any analytics you want to throw out no, there? No, not really. Like, if you follow me, if you There's follow us. nothing to write home about. Yeah, if you, he's a fourth-line player. He's probably going to play. Again, it wouldn't even be notable. That I think that's what, at the core, like we were talking about, why everyone's so freaking out. It's because, like, you know at some point he's playing on the top line. Like, you know it's going to happen, right? Nor, well, Nordstrom. The, and go ahead. The thing, that, the thing that keeps coming up for me, like, pretty much on a weekly basis now, following this general manager and what he does is that I think it was deadline last year. You came out and you were like, this guy has no vision. If you look at what he's done in the past, he's all over the place. There's nothing succinct to what he's doing. It's kind of like he has to, he makes moves and then a month, two months or two months later, he has to make other moves to make up for the move he just made yeah. because he didn't foresee getting into trouble with the moves. Two week, uh, a week ago, Sportsnet tweeted, I don't know, I don't know if it was Francis or whoever it was, but they're basically someone quoting somebody in the organization. I'm sure it was Tree Living. We're not done yet. There's more to come. Is this it? You know it <laughs> so is. It's like, like, again, this comes back to like, what is the vision? I have no fucking clue. Like, I know coming into the offseason, it was pretty apparent for a lot of fans and even and us and, um, Kent Wilson, a big analytic guy, is just like, are you going to upgrade the top six? Because without doing that, you probably aren't going to be a con cup contender. It isn't that the name of the game when you have Gaudreau on the books, you have Monaghan on the books, all these guys are coming off the books in two years. You got Chucky only signed for three. So if, if now is not your window and you're not kind of, you know, doing everything it takes to get to that next level, which would be including getting a new coach as well as getting another top six player, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? 
Um, I don't know, man. And that's the, that's the thing. It's just he's just kind of grabbing stuff all the time, and it's like, uh, you know, just again, like I, 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 people are like, why are you so negative about a fourth line guy? It's like I'm not. It's just. I mean, he did the same thing last year. It was like, yeah, we're going to add and then added read. Like, it's just unnecessary. Like, I would much rather, again, I don't really give a shit because he's a fourth-line min- league minimum signing guy who you can send to the minors with no problem. Even though it is a one-way contract, I don't see anybody claiming Joachim Nordstrom on waivers. And sure, he's a decent depth guy, but it's just like I'd much rather have those minutes go to Glenn Godden or something personally, so... I'm not too worried about it, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, he's just doing what he always. It's just, it's just tree living, making the or uh, going through the motions, doing what he always does, right? It's like, yeah. Why did he have to invite four guys on PTOs last year? Like, just like what? <laughs> and then sign two of them. I'm trying to think of what was that the Milk and Soup podcast? Oh man, it's all blending together. I, I think it. I think it might have been. Um, I mean, there's going to be some people listening that will remember you going through this whole no vision thing. And honestly, man, it just becomes truer and truer by the week. Well, and the thing is too, like, anyways, I, I listened to a lot of hockey podcasts and a lot of them going through the, 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 like reviewing free agency and they inevitably get to the flames. They're very busy and puck soup. The guys on puck soup are just saying like, Bradshaw living has bought out. Like, I think, I think he's, I couldn't remember this the the fraction of like how many players he had bought out of all the buyouts in the last like six years but it's a big chunk of them it's like one sixth of all the buyouts in the nhl have been from from the flames and it is true like you you said something interesting it's like he has to try to correct things like almost as soon as he makes the mistake and if you look at the buyouts that's true it's like as soon as he signed mason raymond he's like oh shit gotta buy that out like as soon as the lance boma signing oh shit gotta buy that out it's like then troy brower oh shit gotta buy that out it's like he keeps signing these players and then buying them out almost immediately the funny thing was he buy it buys out michael stone and then what was it it's not Days funny later, it's Mackey, it's, hor- it's Mackey goes down with a season ending injury after he <laughs> oh, let shit. fantenberg go you, you let fantenberg go who you were couldn't wait to replace eight months later at the next deadline with two guys this time. Yeah, that was the but that was the Valley that Mac- was the ultimate example of what I mean by no vision. It's like, okay, you tra- in a year where <laughs> you traded Brett Kulak, traded four, and then let Oscar Fantenberg go, and then bought out Michael Stone, and then Yuso Valamaki goes down with an injury, so you have to re-sign Michael Stone. <laughs> oh my god. Oh jeez. Anyways, okay. well, sorry to start on the last. Yeah, the, are we gonna see a little Sweden sometime soon? And like, where where should little Sweden be in downtown Calgary? Like, where's a good? It's probably just be one street. Start with one street, eh? Well, Give one street to start. Yeah, it's, I'm good with that. Hey, maybe, maybe a look. Maybe, maybe I I'm all street. for this. If this is like gonna be a long term thing, where like we're like if we can start getting some legit players in here, like maybe it starts. Maybe it's like Lindholm's Ocean's Eleven, and it's like. Okay, it starts with the guys who maybe aren't as good, like your Nordstroms, and it, but it it ramps up to like maybe in two years' time, Elias Pettersson is like, hey, I'll I'll sign that offer sheet with the Calgary Flames. You know, <laughs> maybe he has a vision. After maybe he does all. have That's a vision. A maybe it's, this is all coming together. He's just plotting this this massive. Like who 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 else would you target? Philip Forsberg. 
I mean, Lindholm's Lindholm's cousin is Kali Yarncroft in Nashville. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of guys we can woo. Okay, and then the final thing today we are going to focus on a draft and on the draft analysis. It's mostly going to be you. I'll just be interjecting with stuff, questions probably. But <sighs> Eric Francis still, if you here's an update for everybody. Eric Francis is still a piece of shit. Constance in the universe. Changed. Nothing's changed. There's one cut. There's three cons. There's three. What is it? The three things for sure: death, taxes, and Eric Francis <laughs> is a piece of shit. Yeah, that's gonna be like my literal like, and then maybe add on like gravitational constant G, the electric constant, like Planck's constant, Eric Francis piece of shit constant. Like, is this not the guy that nobody liked in elementary school? Like, it has to be. There's always that one. One guy that just annoyed the hell out of everybody, and nobody liked. It has to be Eric Francis, does it not? Like I, like I, I didn't even read what the article you sent me, or it was a video or something of him talking about. Like, does he well, have? The latest how article. does he get employed? Like this, how does he continue to pitch? All he ever writes about is Johnny Gaudreau. It's literally it. the one thing he writes about. That's it, or about how good of a coach Ward is. Yeah, There's two things. Like I, I don't understand so he, how he continues to make money from like just the, talking about one thing nonstop. So here it is, um, Francis and Leslie. I don't know why Leslie is poor. Leslie, Leslie's now. just like why Francis. Francis and Leslie sit down and discuss this as well as David Rick's future. Are here's the title of the article. Oh, God. Are Johnny Gaudreau's days as a in a flame uniform numbered question mark francis francis just rewrites the same thing every three weeks this was his headline going into the season this was his headline throughout the season this was the headline going into playoffs this was the headline throughout playoffs post playoffs now you have all this other opportunity to cover some sort of other nuance in hockey you got the draft the free agency what's the title of it are Johnny Gaudreau's days in a Flames uniform numbered? Question mark. Like what is still he, like what is he going on about this? Anyways, like I guess I don't know, but life I life's too short to waste on Eric Francis. Okay, let's move on then. Okay, draft uh, analysis. Um, the one thing that really stood out for me. The, the first round is always the most interesting, obviously. Um, but what stood out for me in the first round was you watch the the names that are getting picked as we approach our pick. What, were we, what was our first original spot? We were at 19 overall. Eight, 19. So you're watching the, you know, the picks go, the names go, and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's still available. This guy's still available. It kind of seemed like there was a, you know, a, at least a somewhat of a consensus that Zari would be a good selection. And sure enough, Zari's available. But what does Brad do? Trades down. And everybody's like, fuck! Yeah. So then, then you're like, oh, God, now watch this. Zari's going to go. Doesn't go. And then we get the next pick. Oh, maybe, maybe that's Gazari does it again. So that was interesting to watch. Uh, he did end up getting Gazari, so he must have known. Um, so I don't, I don't exactly know how this works, but 
the GMs can talk to other GMs or their assistants do the work and whatnot. And some teams will tell other teams who they're going to pick or who they want, and they can get a little bit of intel that way. So I'm assuming that must have happened. Brad knew that Zari was going to be available when their pick um, was up, number 19, and the other one too. And I don't know. That's great work, right? Yeah. So if you were if you're following, I was like live. What's 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 the equivalent of live tweeting on Instagram, live storying. I was live. I was active and live during the draft on Instagram. And as it was going on, I was, cause there was a few uh, picks who were off the boards, notably like uh, Columbus blue jackets. So when that happens, inevitably, inevitably some guys start to appear. It's like, Hey, we could get this guy at 19. I think Zary was high on that list. I think a few other guys, Maverick Bork was high on that list. Um, so as it got closer and you were like, hey, there's still a really good group of guys available here. But the rumor was at the time that the Flames really liked Braden Schneider to the Western Hockey League. He's a right-hand shot defenseman. I think he's a fine player, but the fact that a guy like Connor Zary or Maverick Bork or Jacob Perot or any of those guys were going to be available at 19 and the Flames were trading down to conceivably, in my brain, when I saw them do that, I was like, oh, God, they're going to trade down and take Schneider and miss out on Zeri because obviously he's going to get selected because they traded down from 19 to 22. So if you're if you're following my little live kind of like blog on Instagram, I was like, this is so stupid. He's going to miss out on Zeri and going to take Schneider at 22. But then the Rangers select uh, Schneider at 19, and I was like, oh, shit. All right. So they weren't that high on Schneider. And then when they traded down again from 22 to 24, I was like, I like this. Because what I think happened probably was the Flames had a group of maybe two, three, four guys who they liked, who they kind of grouped together, who they all thought were similar similar value players. And guaranteed, you'd be able to get at least one of those guys at 24. So that's probably what happened. I think they did get the guy they wanted. But I think they were willing to risk getting like maybe one of those other guys at that spot who was going to be available in order to pick up a couple extra picks, which they desperately needed. So it was great work. Like that's how you trade down because again, like trading down and then picking a player based on organizational need and not picking the best player available and not picking up one of these, like these highly impactful forwards in, in a really deep draft year, that would have been a mistake. And that's what I was afraid they were going to do. Um, cause I mean, we, we all have like, if you, the last time they traded down significantly was the Mark Jankowski year. And I know that was Jay Feaster, but I think we all have Mark Jankowski PTSD. Right. And so when you hear the trading down, you're like, Oh God, they're going to, they're going to miss out on a great player and pick somebody off the board. So that was my first instinct. Once they saw the Rangers took Schneider, I was like, Hey, I, I think they know what they're doing. And then they were able to pick Zary at, at 24 overall. So all in all, that was a really good piece of maneuvering by Bradshaw Living and Company, I thought. Yeah, it was kind of like the opposite of Feaster. I remember when Feaster uh, did that and ended up picking Jankowski, there was like a collective... Who? You know, a, a gasp from the crowd, like, what? Everybody's checking in their roster sheets to see, who the hell is this guy? Where was he projected, like 900th? Well, he... <laughs> yeah, I know. He was way off the board. Um, and I mean, the thing that was so frustrating about that is like, okay, they originally, I think they originally had 14 and the Sabres 
got that pick. So they traded down from 14 to 21, which is a huge drop. And I'm pretty sure the Capitals picked like Wilson in between where the Flames were supposed to pick at 14 and where they picked Jankowski at one. I'm pretty sure like Wilson, Thomas Hurdle, Tuovo Teravainen, and Andre Vasilevsky all got selected. <laughs> so like that's a Jay Feaster, that's a Jay Feaster blunder for all time, right? But all all in all, literally, really good literally... luck by Tree Living in the first round. And Feaster was so proud of himself. Oh, geez. I remember that. It's weird. I remember that draft day more than any. Maybe that's just a sign about how my memory remembered. Like, I don't remember the good ones like Monahan and <laughs> Kachuk. I really remember the bad one, Jankowski. Because, yeah, Feaster was going on about how, oh, yeah, he's our, we know this guy is the next. He literally said he's the next Joe Newendike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Did uh, we at least get a second round? Did we at least get a second round pick for that? No. For the trade well, down. I can't. I think he maybe got a second. It might have been a third, but I think he blew that. Like he, he, he I, th- I remember he picked. Well, of course, he, picked he Pat, blew it. He picked like Pat Seeloff and John Gillies that year. I remember. Um, I think that, I think that was the. I think fe- Brett Kulak got selected that year too. So that wasn't too bad, but not a good draft year for the Flames. Literally, Feaster's game plan for that evening was threefold. Yeah. Number one, trade down. Number two. Get Jankowski, number three, go home and have a hot dog. <laughs> pretty pretty much, that's the rundown. <laughs> you know what? Like, okay, I don't know. Maybe I'm just misremembering. I feel like Jay Feaster gets like a slight. He gets he gets a bit of a because I do think that some of his ideas were actually good in theory. Like, because he drafted Goudreau, right? Like, I think some of his ideas were good in theory. He was just too incompetent to execute them properly. Like, he he had the balls to offer sheet Ryan O'Reilly. It all it almost completely blew up in their face in an absolutely massive way but he tried something (laughs) so it's like i like the ideas behind a lot of what he was doing and talking about but he was just too incompetent and didn't have a good enough staff around him to make correct decisions anyways there's my little jay feaster rant so before we go into the the individual players um i'm not sure who it was they posted it today you sent it to me but the rankings for and here's the thing is like for the past few years, if you look at our well, probably even you can go longer than that. I don't know how long it's been that our um, prospect pool has always been pretty meh, pretty mediocre. No, oh, this this um, this drafting and developing players has been probably the biggest issue sore spot with this franchise, like probably. For third twenty five years, it's been a problem. Yeah, it's it's actually been quite good, probably in the last five years. Within the last five years, yeah. Like if there's one thing Bradshaw Living has has under his watch has improved immensely, it is amateur scouting and developing players. Like again, I was I was saying this to some people just talking to them on Instagram the other day, but um. As as much as I disagree with a lot of the management moves he's made at, with the pro with the pro team and at the NHL level, at least at the very least, if and when he leaves this team or the fact that the current roster is in a bit of a, in a bit of a rough spot, at least it's not going to be like at the end of the Daryl Sutter era where it was like the team was in shambles and there was the cupboards were absolutely bare and you had nothing to build on top of. Like if you look if you look five years down the road. Um, like to where this where this franchise could be, and I mean, like the team had like the team like already on the roster. You're seeing it. Like this is the this is the reason you you need to 
have drafting and developing players is such a high priority in your roster. Like Matthew Kachuk, Dylan Dubé, Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington, Yusuf Alamaki coming. Like in five years down the line, if you're if your core group of guys can be again, guys like Dubé, Kachuk, Valamaki, Anderson, Shillington, Pelche, now Connor Zeri, um, even a guy like Matt Phillips, like the the cupboard like the the foundation has been set a lot more than it has in previous years. So I give I give Tree Living and Company major credit for that because Boy, that's been a problem. Because again, like, why do you, why was the rebuild so hard post Sutter? Like, why why did those Jay Feaster teams suck so bad? Is because when Daryl left, not only did he leave the team behind in a bit of a bad place, but I mean, there was literally no foundation for future. Like, did Daryl like? I can think of T.J. Brody and Michael Backlund were probably the only impact forwards players Daryl Sutter ever drafted. I might be off on that. There might be Chuck Kobasu in there, but. Daryl Sutter left well, this. Bobby Nystrom. Don't forget oh, about Bobby Nystrom. Eric Nystrom, yeah. <laughs> Fourth liner drafting the first Bobby round. Nystrom, Bobby Nystrom probably would have been better than Eric Nystrom. Eh? At the time, yeah. Well, I mean, Nystrom, Nystrom was terrible, but he scored that one goal against the Blackhawks in like 09 in the playoffs. That was sweet. So, like, when you, when you compare and contrast and, like... Chucko? Chris Chucko, yeah. Uh, I know I know Dylan, Swole Kylo. He loves, he loves Matt Pellick. That's always his favorite. Matt Pellick. Um and there's yeah, there's I mean, a few other ones in there this. that are just terrible. But they the team has right. the the organization has never well, since I've been alive and and been watching hockey, they've never prioritized drafting and developing. Like Daryl Sutter A would trade picks like they were pennies and B with the picks he had, he didn't do a very good job. Um yeah. And Jay Feaster like I again like I said, I think he had some good ideas but his drafting his draft record was not great. So the fact that Tree Living has been able to come in and oversee a pretty good job by amateur scouting has been like that. That's what gives me hope because again, if you look five years down the line and you have you have these guys coming, that's really encouraging. Yeah, we've been alluding to how important it is to keep those draft picks. Um, I know we've we've given Tree Living a hard time in the past. He's been a lot better in the last two years without just not throwing draft picks in the mix for every for every little thing he does. It's like you don't have to just keep adding draft picks to sweeten the pot. Like, look at what these other teams are doing. But the reason why you want to keep as many draft picks as you possibly can is for years like this, when there's a really deep draft, which means regardless of when you pick in the first round, yep. you're going to get up with a solid player. Even in the second round, there's still a lot of great players left. Even in the third round, there's great players left. Well, they did great work so, this year in like the deep rounds in the fifth and sixth rounds for sure too. So, And then coming back to some sort of power ranking that you shared with me, um, you know, I remember last year and prior years, that's what we begin where we like started this whole conversation. We've always projected low in the prospect pool relative to the rest of the league. I think coming into the draft, we were sitting 20th in the league. Or somewhere around there, we jumped up to what is it? We're eighth or sixth? Yeah. So if you look at some different like uh, like organizational prospect pool strength uh, models, I know Byron Bader who runs uh, HockeyProspecting.com. He's actually from Calgary. He used to write for Flames Nation. Um, he's got a model that does a lot of prospect projecting, but um, his model ranks the Flames as sixth in terms of their organizational depth for prospects. Like that's a jump from he had them ranked last year at seventeenth up to 6th. I know Corey Pronman had them, I think, 10th. 
So, like, this is a really solid draft for the Flames. And again, like, that's like you said, that's something very rarely can be said about this about this franchise in the years past is how well they've drafted and how deep their prospect pool is. And I don't want to be like, it's incredible. It still needs a lot of work and a lot of filling. Like, and if you they're nowhere near like the the top of the top of the league. But I mean, the fact that they are starting to fill those cupboards and so and again the the philosophical um the importance of building through the draft that's what encourages me so much because that's been one of my main my main things about the Calgary Flames is like okay if you look at teams that win like look at the Tampa Bay Lightning they just won the Stanley Cup who are their best players well most of them are homegrown draft picks and two of them in Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point were second and third round picks Andre Vasilevsky is a, a draft pick I mean Victor Hedman was second overall but he's a draft pick they've got a lot of homegrown Stamkos. guys yeah Stamkos as well like I mean in a, in a town where all you ever hear is whole oh, big good players don't want to come to Calgary. That's why drafting and developing is so important to draft and develop your own players. Not only because it helps you win on a whole, but if you want to make the argument that players don't want to come to Calgary, the best way to get them to come and stay here is to draft and develop them. So the fact that this is now this is a, a priority for this management group and for this franchise is incredibly encouraging. And the fact, like, to see Brad Tree Living execute, right, the strategy of moving up not once, not twice, yeah. and acquiring other picks just allowed him to feast on this um, this deep draft. And because of that, I mean, and they, again, I don't think he had any of these uh, picks traded away going into the draft, did he? We had all our picks this year, didn't we? So for all intents and purposes, you had all your picks. And again, like I, I'm kind of crafting this theory. I know we're not even talking about the draft right now, but we do spend a lot of this time criticizing what Brad Chilevi does with the NHL team. But you know, like I look, I look at something like the draft, which he has done a, a pretty good job at, um, and with his amateur scouting team, and th- like that's probably something he has a fair deal of autonomy on, right? Because, like, I, I don't see ownership or people from up top from Bradshaw Living meddling in that because they don't know how. <laughs> and they just can't, right? Like, you can't really meddle in a draft. But when you look at, like, the, yeah. where he's really messed up in the past with those big-ticket UFA signings, I'm sure that those big-ticket UFA signings that sell tickets, that get people excited for, for, the, uh, for the season, that kind of follow the just make the playoffs philosophy so we can get that sweet couple games of playoff revenue like guaranteed some of that is coming from up top right so i i just think i he's probably hindered by ownership and the fact that he's been able to solidify the the internal development and the oversee amateur scouting in a in an area that ownership probably doesn't have a lot of air a lot of weight to meddle in it maybe maybe it gives me a bit more hope for bradshaw living well, let's shift to the players. Let's, let's go through the key players. Maybe we don't have to go through all of them, um, unless you that's, that's on your agenda. But what are the what are the key ones for you? And um, I don't know where you want to start. Well, Larry? yeah, let's just start with Zary because I mean, like, I think most people are really stoked. Again, like I said, when as the draft kind of like ticked down, I was like, holy shit, I think I think Zary's gonna be there. And I mean, I I was really high on a guy like Maverick Bork, who I think ultimately went to Dallas. Um, but Zary checks like literally every single box that the Flames have kind of uh, identified as, as something they want. Um, 
high in skill, and he's a competitor. And like, I mean, I think that's a really good pick at 24 because it was kind of hard to project. I mean, across the board, he was he was I think he was projected higher than 19 by a lot of people, like probably to go in the mid mid teens, 16, 15, 14, that kind of range. Um, yep. So the fact that he was like there at 19 was awesome. The fact that the Flames were able to trade down and pick up two other picks and then get him at 24 is absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, just in terms of the player alone, I, again, you got to be – it's it's hard to project what these guys are going to be at the NHL level. I think people usually get way too excited about guys. Like, think about the best players we've drafted, Matthew Kachuk, Sean Monahan, Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett was drafted fourth overall and has had a really hard time. So you can never say anything yeah. these things with certainty. So I certainly don't think Connor Zary is going to be a top-line NHL center, but he could be a pretty effective maybe middle six NHL center, second-line center. When they were talking to him after he got drafted, he said he's he he would kind of hope to turn his game into a Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly-type game. Uh, hells yes, please. That'd be fantastic. Yep. So, I mean, he's a WHL kid, um, played in Kamloops, 86 points in 57 games in his draft year, his first eligible draft year. Um, put up really big numbers. He, I mean, like, he he doesn't probably have the upside of some of those other guys who are, like, really skilled. But I think, like I said, you could probably pencil him in in three or four or five years to be a third or second-line center. Who again, hopefully he can play that, like, kind of that two-way game like, like a Bo Horvat. I mean, again, his production was great. In first-year draft-eligible WHLers, pretty sure he was second in goals behind Seth Jarvis, second in points behind Seth Jarvis. So the dude has skill. dude can score. Um, yeah. That was I, league-wide? I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a really good pick. And I know, I know it's always hard to project, but, I mean, you can't really go wrong picking that guy at 24. Okay, what did you think of Jan Kuznetsov? Yevgeny no, Kuznetsov. Let's, let's be clear, this is not Yevgeny Jr. There's no, there's no uh, relation, is there? I believe there's not. not. That we know of. I don't believe there is. Yeah, this one, this one, I don't know. Like again, I don't consider myself a draft expert by any means. I mean, I spend a lot of time watching Flames hockey during the year, and I don't have a lot of time to spend it watching junior hockey. And I think to be fair to say the, the there's always been this need for right shot defensemen um, in the organization, and I think the Flames it, it looked pretty apparent. The first pick overall, they probably went the best player available, Carnazari, and then they went three D men in a row, and then a goaltender before going back to to forwards. So they probably knew that they were going to hone in on some D men. And again, I think the Kuznetsov guy. I'll let you get to it, but. Um, he probably wasn't projected to go as high as the Flames picked him. They might have even could have got him in the third round, but they went they went with him anyways, right? Yeah, that's right. Like when they picked him, I thought it was a bit of a reach because Jeremy Poirier, who is like a really uh, he's like an offensive dynamo, he was still available, and I was like, God damn, they, they, maybe they missed it on Poirier, and then they got Poirier anyways with the next pick. So um, I didn't mind that Kuznetsov selection one iota. And like you said, the right-hand shot D, that, like, I, I'm pretty sure they hadn't selected a D-man since Valimaki in 2017. So it, they, they were starting, and Rasmus Anderson's graduated. Shillington's at least going to be in the AHL, so they kind of need to start filling that cupboard again. So 
He's a big right-hand shot. And, and one thing I will say, I love the no hesitancy to take Russian players, man. Because I know that was kind of a thing when Burke was here. But, what, they select three Russians in this draft? Hell is yeah. Do it. Like, there's so much... Like, I mean, you look down the guys who have been overlooked just because, oh, he might not come over here. Panarin wasn't drafted. Buchnevich was a late draft pick. Lots of good talent coming out of Russia. So I'm really glad the Flames aren't hesitant to take players out of Russia. Um, and and Kuznetsov's more of a stay-at-home D. Yeah. He's big, right? He's a big guy, but it's not like he's, like, just... He's not like Keenan Kanzig. <laughs> There's a good name for you. He's not just, like, some lumbering guy who can't skate. You can skate. He's mobile. Like um Myers? <laughs> he's not a Myers? I don't believe he's a Tyler Myers. I sure hope not anyways. Um, so he's mobile for his size. He's a really smart defender. Um, he's He was drafted out of the NCAA. He played with um, Connecticut. Where did he play last year? I can't remember. It was yeah, UConn. UConn. Yeah. Um, and he's Connecticut. Yeah, he's actually the only the fourth under 18 D-man to play in the NCAA. The other three, one is Noah Hannafin, the other is Zach Wierenski, and the other one's Dylan Simpson. So... Um, he sh- he's shown he can do it at a young age. Yeah, again, like like you said, he's not really super offensive. But um, some people are saying like, yeah, he's probably if if you look at like maybe Rasmus Anderson's defensive impact, he could probably be maybe a similar type impact player like that. Um, I think by central scouting, he was maybe a little lower. But again, I really have no problem with the Flames with the Flames taking him there. Um, 50th overall, and again, like with the Flames' track record with selecting D-man in the second and third rounds, I have no issue. Like I think I looked this up um, previous to Kuznetsov, the three defensemen taken by this uh, amateur scouting group, Bradshaw Living, and beyond the first round were Shillington, Anderson, and Adam Fox, three pretty good players. So I I, I think we can trust their judgment in taking defensemen in the second round. So yeah, I like the Kuznetsov yeah, pick. The scouting has has really panned out for us in the last three four years, I'd say. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I think he players that we've seen. Yeah, totally. And I think he does. I think he Kuznetsov is like the kind of guy who it's like. This is just me speculating based off what I've read. It's kind of like maybe he's not one of like those sexy picks like Poirier, who's like, oh man, this guy could be good. But he's like his skills right now will transfer to the NHL probably. Like his smarts, the way he can skate, um, his ability to move the puck his ability to use his body to defend. So I, I think he's he's like, the reason you pick a guy like that 50th overall is less because, oh, this guy could be, um, have some great upside, more like this guy could play in the NHL, like legitimately. Because that's the thing you always forget, right? Like half these, 90% of these guys don't even end up playing NHL games. Yep. So I like the Kuznetsov pick. Okay, so third round. Now we had two picks in the third round, seventy-one and seventy-nine, and it. And so these are the are these the two that we we traded up for? Yeah. So I think the Flames didn't have because it was a little it was a little weird because again they had that pick with Gustafson because remember they got the third from the Neil trade, the Neil Lucci's trade, and then Edmonton deferred. So we'll get Edmonton's pick next year, and then yeah, correct. So these are the picks I, we got from I, trading yeah. down in the uh, in round one. Which is pretty sweet. Or no, not okay, not so the second 70, round one, the third, the third, the two thirds. Yeah, the two thirds. So seventy first overall, Yerme Poirier. This so was, you already kind of alluded to it. Yeah. Extremely offensive defenseman. I was pumped about this pick. Um, the knack on him from the scouting is his ability to play defense. He's got to he's got to learn that defense. Especially at the NHL level. <laughs> 
Well, with our system, man, I mean, we're defense first now. You, you saw what happened when we tried to be a scoring team. Right, they'll probably probably try to make them play defense, eh? Like, finishing first in the West, I mean, that wasn't a good omen. So let's go. Let's focus on team defense, shore it up, and then we'll just if we can just barely make it to the playoffs, we'll be happy. This pick remind <laughs> this pick reminded me of the Oliver Shillington pick, where it was like, why is Shillington not being picked? He's really good, and then there was just like all these du- old old school hockey guys. Oh, I can't play defense, so he fell to the Flames. This reminds me of that, except I think he's got more offensive upside. Um, like, I know some people had him in the first round. A lot of people, in fact. I know Corey Pronman had him ranked in his top 30. Um, oh, wow. So, like, he's got some legit skill. He played uh, played in the queue last year, the St. Jock Sea Dogs. I mean, the dude has a lot of skill. Like, straight up. He can make high-end plays. I mean, the dude can score a lot. He's, I think he's the highest-scoring defense. He's definitely had more than 20 goals. Like, he can shoot the puck. He can move the puck. He can skate with the puck. Dude is an offensive dynamo, but apparently he can't play defense. So, but I mean, you can teach defense, right? Come on, you can teach that shit. Totally, you can totally well, teach he's that. Also, he, yeah. So that was a st- that was probably one of the steals of the draft for me. Like overall, getting Jeremy Poirier in the third round, like come on, you, you can't you can't use a third you can't do much better with a third round pick than a than a, than a guy with that with that upside. So I really, I really yeah. like that pick from the from the Flames. It was a really good pick. And, and again, like I said, when they went to pick Kuznetsov, I was like, oh man, I wish they'd picked uh, Jeremy Poirier, um, just because of his upside. And then they ended up getting both. So hell's yeah, that a boy. So Poirier, French Canadian. So we got two Canadians now: Zari and Poirier, and then one Russian. All right, we want to go to the next player. Let's do it. Jake Jake Boltman. Here's I mean, with the name like Boltman, that's either gonna go either way. Right, Boltman. <laughs> Boltman. It sounds like a made-up name. Uh, what it, what's it on Office Space? The uh, <laughs> the famous guy they comparing to? Uh, Lam Lomberg. No, oh no, like... Michael Bolton. Yeah, yeah Bolton. Bolton. <laughs> All right. If any of you are old enough listening and you've seen Office Space, um, you'll know what we're talking about. And if you haven't seen it, make sure you watch it. It's hilarious. Boltman was a bit, was the first, like, there's two picks that were a bit, like, Boltman was legitimately the only guy the Flames picked who I was like, I have literally no idea who that is. Like, I had no clue. <laughs> like, and, and not, like, I, I didn't know. Like, I had done a lot of reading prior to the draft, and he's the only name that I was like, I don't know who that is. I don't know where he's from. Um so the, the fact they pick him, they picked him that high was like a little weird, but I mean a lot of these picks, like I think I know the guy who picked him. The Flames have a scout, um, who um, I think it's Jim Jim Cummins. He's he's kind of like their USA Hockey guy. Um, so th- this smells like a, a Jim Cummins uh, selection because that's probably what happens with a lot of these like picks outside the first round, right? Is like these scouts kind of yeah. like have their guy, right? And they're like, oh, we got to take this guy, right? And it either yep. turns into a big win well, or nobody remembers. So, if you're an NHL club spending mil- spending million dollars dollars a year to employ scouts to make yeah. your team better, you're not going to just rely on central scouting to pick your team. I mean, there's a reason why, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean that that's kind of what it it sounds like to me. Um, again, I had to look up Boltman because literally I had no idea. He's from Minnesota. 
If, did if most people have probably seen the viral video of him? He was at practice when he found out that the Flames had drafted him. It was pretty cool. Um, so he's out oh, of the. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. He was at practice. And they announced. I it saw the, the video screen. of of all the team going to him in practice, and I did yeah. not have the context that it was because he got drafted. I that's like, why. The there you go. What am I watching this for? <laughs> exactly. So he's um. He's, so yeah, he's USHL out of Adina High School. Um, I think he, where's he going next year? He's going to uh, U Minnesota, University I think. University of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, so he's going to U Min. Um, so yeah, he's a project. That's probably what he is at this point. Like, I mean, he's a defenseman. I really don't have much of a scouting report on him. Um, there was a scouting report, uh, scouting report I pulled up from a, a site called Raw Charge. Because, th- again, there's not a lot of video on these guys from, like, uh, the high school, like the USHL. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. But it says he likes to jump in the rush. He's maybe a bit, a bit, a bit of an, a defenseman with some offensive upside. So yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's easy to say, "Oh, Jake Boltman, what are you doing?" He, who nobody knows who he is, and then like in five years, it's like, "Oh, we've got this Boltman kid who's pretty good." Or maybe he never plays. You never know with these picks. They're they're lottery picks. So yeah. Well, and then, but the argument can be made if you're if you're picking a guy no one knows about in the third round. Could you not have waited till the fourth or fifth? Yeah, round? well, that's the problem with the reach there. It's like they're like when you like look at some of the guys who were picked later. Like I'm specifically thinking of the Hurricanes picking Zion Nyback like in the sixth round. Like that guy could have been a steal. Um, Alexander Passion, who the Hurricanes also got. Um, there were some guys who who probably I think a lot of us would have had slotted before Jake Bowman at eighty. But I guess that's what you do in the draft. You have your list and you go by your list, and it's it's hard to. I guess I've never been part of a draft. It's kind of like so. picking a fantasy fantasy team. Exactly. It's like you like had. It's one, like you you got one minute on the clock yeah. and you like twenty hours of research to prepare for this moment, and then you let the auto pick happen. You're like, Fuck. and then you're like, Mark Jankowski. Oh shit! Why did I pick Jankowski? That's exactly. Okay, so like. Boltman, you another U.S. born player. Um, I guess you know we're looking at Hannafin. He, you know, similar just. A touted guy coming out of high school, lots of um, national playing experience, and then yeah, going to University of Minnesota next year. So it'll be interesting to watch him develop. Yeah, it'll be he. Like I said, he'll be a project. Um, and again, like their next pick, ninety sixth overall. I think this guy's a bit of a project too. So these were the two picks where I'm just like I'm not sure because they did seem like a bit of a reach at both those spots, eighty and ninety six. They they pick uh Daniil Chekalev next, a goalie out of Russia. And I, I had come across his name in some of the, the Russian stuff I had been looking at, but again, I didn't expect him to be picked in the fourth round. So I don't know. He seems yeah, like a, he seems like a good goalie. He he's been playing in the he was playing in the Russian Junior League last year. Um, he's he's big. He's six three. He he wasn't ranked by Central Scouting. So and he's an overager. So he was draft eligible last year. So automatically you're like okay he's a bit of a project right so it's kind of like a gamble on a goalie again i thought he you probably could have taken him later you know he's a he's a overager who wasn't ranked you probably could have got him later okay and then i was reading an article after the draft where the flames were talking about it and they were saying again like he's a second a second year draft eligible guy um and i think the flames somebody said something to the fact of they they had heard some other people were sniffing around so um, they just thought they may as well grab him while they could. 
And from what Tree Living said, or I think, yeah, it was Tree Living, he he uh, he actually talked to Jordan Siglet, um about Chekhalev. Um, and Siglet watched some video, apparently, and was really liked what he saw. Um, so I guess that kind of explains the reach there. The Flames had heard some other guys were, were sniffing, some other teams were maybe looking at him. They talked to their goaltending, their goaltending coach consulted with them, like what they saw. So, yeah, I got no issue with that. Yep. I don't know. I have no problem with him. Um, I I know he's actually been playing really well um, with his MHL team. I think it's Chekhov. Um, yeah, in the MHL, he's playing really well. I think Tori Peterson had tweeted out the other day that he had gone nine and zero with a one eight eight goals against and a nine four four save. I, I just checked it. He's played ten games over there. One eight nine nine four three save percentage. So. He's he's been playing in the MHL. I mean, I I know Pike is Ryan Pike has been tweeting about him. He had like forty three saves in a win, um, the other three two win the other day. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, like I I got I got not a whole lot to say about him other than, you know, I I don't mind. That's where you take goalies, right? That's how you that's how you develop your own goalies. Is you kind of take them in later rounds. Probably a bit too high for my liking, but again, I'm not employed by an NHL team, so who cares what I think. Yeah, you don't mind it. I mean, so you're looking at. I don't mind it, but it's like, how am I supposed to argue it when it's so far away from knowing what he's gonna be? Right? Like, I'm gonna be like, oh, you really screwed up. Like, would I'd rather have them take Zion Nyback or Alex Passion there? Hell yeah, but I mean, they had him on their list and they drafted him. So this is his third season in Chekhov, and his first season he played 32 games, goals against average was 2.25, save percentage 915. We might as well go through them all. Fifth round, Ryan Francis. I love this pick. Oh, okay. Do tell. Well, I mean, again, this is like, again, as much as I rag on Bradshaw Living, but the fact that they have been not afraid at all to draft like smaller, highly skilled guys just like makes my day. Like even if you look at Pelche last year, Pelche's not a big guy, but he's got a lot of skill. So I love that. So I really like Ryan Francis. He's Super skilled. He's a right-hand shot, right winger, lots of speed, good playmaker. He had 48 assists last year with Cape Breton. Um, so like, I, it's it's hard to argue with that one. Like, I think this, I think that might have been my favorite pick of of the of the draft. Just picking him. I know everybody was like, "Oh, sweet, we got Zary and stuff," but I mean, picking Ryan Francis at 143 out of the queue, I I really like that. That's a that's a good pick. He's small. He's skilled. He's a great playmaker. I like it. Cool. So that okay. again, like Seventh, if you're picking round. guys like that in the later rounds, hell's yes, I love it. Fifty, he was yeah, ranked fifty fifth kinda... by Central Scouting, and you got him at one forty three. So like, can't go wrong with that. It's good to take your if you're gonna take shots at guys, do them in the later rounds, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I'm really I'm really high in not not again. Take this with a grain of salt, like. I think we always get too like hyped up, like oh Connor Zary's going to be a number one center, and all these guys going to be stars. Like probably one or two of these guys are going to be impact players in five years. Um, but again, if you're going to take a risk on, if you want impact players, get the guys with skill. Get guys like Francis who are incredibly skilled, um, and don't like I. That's a great pick by the Flames. I really like that pick a lot. Right hand shot, right winger, small, really skilled, love it. Cool. Sixth round. And I like I like this I like this Curtis. pick too, man. These both of these picks really excited me. Like, all right, tell us about Rory back to back. So he played in the Sioux in the OHL, 
last year. And I mean, I, I kind of, I was like, is his name? I kept wanting to say Kearns, but it's Kearns. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Kearns. Kearns. But dude, like. It sounds like it's Irish, Kearns. He, he's a, he's a, I was looking at some, uh, if you, if you want to look at, I'll, I'll post some stuff on Instagram. So if you want to look at some, like some of those, uh, some stats that I, that, that we compile a lot of the time, like, uh, some advanced stats and some micro stats and stuff, go to our Instagram and we'll be posting about them in depth, um, soon, but like. He had 30 goals, 29 assists, 59 points in 60 games in the OHL last year. Pretty solid year. But some of his transition numbers were really good. The dude is a good puck mover. And this stat, I really like. He put up the fourth most even strength goals in the OHL among first-year draft eligible players behind only Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi, and Jack Quinn, all of whom were taken in the top 10. So, hell oh, wow. yes. This guy's got a lot of skill, man. Cool. Yeah, I see why you like him. So thirty I, goals. Yeah, last I, year. I like, and a lot of them are on yeah. even strength. So I really like this. I I like this a lot. And again, like, cool. Okay. We don't have to get too carried away, but dude, dude, taking guys who are skilled with that high skill, I love it. Okay, and then ending it off with another Russian, Ilya Solovyov. Wow, very good pronunciation. I had to listen to his name repeated over and over again just to <laughs> try to get the pronunciation correct on this one because those, some of those Russian names are hard to say. Yeah, this is a good pick. I think he's an, he's a Belarusian, actually. Um, I was watching some of his highlights from earlier, the ones that I could find. Uh, he's an overager. So defenseman. Yeah, he's a defenseman. A defenseman. He's he's overager, so he's draft eligible, I believe, last year. 6'2", left shot D. Um, I think he's playing in the KHL right now, but he played last year in the OHL with Saginaw. Seven points, four, or seven, seven, seven goals, forty points in fifty-three games. Again, those are a little inflated because he he is older. Um, so he's an overager. So he's heading back to the KHL. Um, I got no problem with this pick. Late in the draft, he's showing he's he's playing in the KHL this year. He, you're gonna see what he can do against like a really really good competition this year against against you always hear this this phrase he's gonna play against men um so you're gonna get a good view into what he can do this year yeah, i got no problem with his pick i i know byron bader um was pretty high on him um he so i got i got no problem with this i, I like it a lot and again i love taking russians dude like I love the lack, the complete lack of hesitancy to take Russians, man. I have no problem with it. So taking a taking a, a shot on an overager D man who can move the puck and seems like he's got some good good smarts. That's a fine pick at two oh five for me. Cool. So I'm looking at his current stats. He's in playing in Dynamo for the KHL. Um, and he's also got two games under the looks like the the farm team Belarus. So I'm not sure if. If he started there and now he's up with the, in the K, or he started in the K and now he's down. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'm trying to figure out right now if there's any Belarusians who have ever been played who have ever played for the Flames. Do you, can you think of any? What was Husalius? Husalius from Sweden. Christian Husalius. Sweden? Yeah, he's a Swede. Kevin Kevin Lalonde. I just Googled it real quick. Who's Kevin Kevin Lalonde is he's not <laughs> I don't think Kevin is a Belarusian name. I think he just played in Belarus. But yeah, he might be the first Belarusian, Belarusian. Again, somebody fact-checked me on that, but 
pretty good. I like it. So, like, overall, man, like, again, a, a, a really solid draft for the Flames. Like, I think people get a little too carried away. Like, if, oh, they A+. Plus. It was really good. Time will tell. Um, but, again, when you look when you look at how many, uh, I think, players that have really good upside they added to their prospect pool, the fact that they were able to get probably, hopefully, an impact forward at 24 while picking up a couple other draft picks, I think is a huge win. I mean, I, I just, yeah, this, this draft for me was probably, I thought they did a, a pretty good job last year, but this was this was a really strong draft for the Flames, I think. Like if you look at the winners of the draft, you probably have Carolina because they did a hell of a job. They got Jarvis, Goonler, Zyback, Passion. They actually got a kid from. I just have to give a shout out to a kid from Olds where I grew up uh, with their last pick, Ronan Seeley. They picked him up, which is kind of weird and cool. Yeah, Olds. Yeah, so um, they did really well. Minnesota did incredible. Bill Guerin, Bill Guerin crushed it. Marco Rossi, Marikus needs a Dinov. He was able to trade for Nick Benino. He did a really good job. Um, they got other few other players, and then I thought a few other teams did a really good job. But I thought the Flames were definitely probably one of the top five teams in terms of how many players they drafted who were strong and how many overall picks they had. So good shit, yeah. dude. And it well, it was to exciting it, to make, get excited about something because this has been a rough season. Well, and that's the thing: making a jump from 18th in your prospect pool to sixth. Yeah. Um, by anybody's metrics, is it is actually exciting yeah. for once. No, it's great. So again, like. The fact that you can just slot all these guys in, like I think Zari probably right now becomes behind Valimaki, the Flames' best prospect. Um, You're seeing Dubé flourish into something, man. Like that, oh, exactly. The playoffs he had was unbelievable. Well, that's why it's so important, right? Like you need these pipeline of guys who can like come in and start making an impact. Like you need them. Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. So the, f- the fact, again, like I, I think Zeri instantly becomes, maybe that shows how, how kind of shallow the pool was, but also how, how good of a pick he is at 24. If I had to rank the top five right now, just off the top of my head, I think Valimaki's still a prospect because he hasn't played enough NHL games. So Valimaki, one. Zeri, two. Pelche, three. Um, hmm... I'm pretty high on Matt Phillips, so I'll just for right now say Matt Phillips for, and then the next franchise goalie in Dustin Wolf uh, or Everett. So they've got other guys: Pet- Emilio Pettersson, Dimitri Zavgordini, um, a few other really good players, Adam Rzichka, guys like that. So I think when you just add, when you just start looking at not only the the amount of players that they now have in the pipeline, but the upside on some of those players. It's just, it's really exciting. Also really cool worth noting is some of the uh, the Tier 2 junior teams across Canada. There was, um, I think it was nine, you know, it was nine players drafted. So there's f- four from the AJHL, uh, two Sherwood Park, one Spruce Grove. Uh, those were all in the fourth fourth round. The Oilers actually picked up a guy, Carter Savoy from oh, yeah. Sherwood Park. And then from the BCHL, my old stomping ground. You're right. Chilliwack yeah, Chiefs, yeah. Yep. Two, two players from the Chilliwack Chiefs were drafted. Draper's son, Keenan, who <laughs> I look, I saw his face before I saw the name, and I'm like, oh, my God, that guy looks like Chris Draper. So um, 
didn't he did go to Red the Red Wings. So maybe there's a maybe there's a little bias there, but if if Yeiserman is in charge and he, he knows all everything about there is no but Chris Draper, so um he probably knows what he's doing there. And then uh, there's a, a guy from Canmore, Alex Young, went to the Sharks in round seven. And then, and then, um, who it was? Who else was it? The BCHL. There was another. It's not on this list, but it was on my other list. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, B- uh, Buffalo Sabers picked Matteo Constantini from the Penticton V's. Amazing. Well, it was weird because yeah, like it's weird when these kids who were born in like what two thousand one. <laughs> are being drafted and like a kid who went to my elementary school when i was like graduating <laughs> it's like being drafted in the nhl yeah. it's like holy shit well i think marner i think marner said that he he watched joe thurton thornton get drafted or and joe thornton no joe thornton <laughs> can't even say his name joe thornton was drafted the same year he was yeah born. you know what i would that was like 96 was. i think that's what it was that's what it was when I don't know I don't it was one of the I think it was maybe it was Matthews I'm sorry I didn't look this up but I think it was Matthews one of the one of the players main players on the Leafs it, the year Joe Thornton insane. was drafted yeah it, it might have been ninety seven I think I think Marner was born in ninety seven and I'm pretty sure Thornton was either drafted in ninety six or ninety seven so that sounds right so so Christ, talk about geez. being old Joe Thornton old. Anyways, like it, it was nice to have all like right, well, again like this was before we we've been kind of putting this off, but we we're this was before all the free agency stuff, so it was really nice to have like a solid. And again, like as much as I'm like annoyed with what's going on currently with the with the current team, there's the future is pretty bright, so it's super encouraging. All right, so next on the agenda, we're gonna we're gonna do player report cards. I've already started working on mine. It's not pretty. Um, but we'll be back with that and obviously if there's more news and more, more to bitch about with tree living. <laughs> <laughs>